morning. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse number 1, if you're there, say amen. It said, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, to tell all those kids in Sunday school, thank you for praying for me. As I asked them to pray that I'd say that name right. <laughs> I don't know if I said it right, but I said it confidently. And so that helps out. <laughs> Verse number two, under the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. I was reading over that, just sitting right there and just reminded of a great truth. I'm glad it doesn't say God has been faithful and put a limit on it. I'm glad it doesn't say God will be faithful and only put an expectation on it. Maybe one day we'll get to experience it. It says God is faithful. It means he always has been and he always will be, but he is. It means right now, right here where you are, God is faithful by whom you are called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. Lord, thank you for the wonderful song service. God, as we prepared our hearts, God, to worship you. God, to get our hearts in the right place that you might speak to us through your word. Thank you, Lord, for the Bible. Thank you, Lord, that we're not just meeting here to say nice things and to have a good time. But God, we've opened up the word of life this morning. God, I ask you that you speak to our hearts this morning through your word. I thank you, Lord, that we have an inspired word, a perfect word. God, a word that we can hold on to when everything else falls apart. God, this very earth will burn, and yet the word of God will still stand. We thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you for an opportunity, God, to fellowship together with believers, with family. We ask you, Lord, this morning that you just work in our hearts. God, I ask that you hide me behind the cross of Calvary. God, would you get me out of myself, Lord, and fill me with your spirit. We pray, Lord, this morning that we would just get exactly what you have prepared for us. God, it's been on my heart since Sunday school that we would just receive, God, what you prepared for us. God, the amount of hours and the work and the time and the care and the concern, God, that you've orchestrated and allowed for us to be here this morning. But we're not here by accident, but God, we're here by divine purpose. Now I pray, Lord, this morning you'd speak directly to us. God, deal with us on a personal level. And God, help us to leave out of here different the way we walked in. And God, if there's somebody here this morning they don't know you as their personal Lord and Savior. And God, there's concern and there's doubts and there's uncertainty. And I pray, Lord, you'd speak to their hearts this morning. Draw them to yourself. And God, reveal their sinful condition unto them. But God, would you take them by Calvary? And God, where they see a Savior dying for their sin. God, take them by the tomb where they'd see a resurrected Savior walking out in power and triumphantly. God, would you show them this morning they can be saved by your grace. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We give you all the glory and all the credit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen 
<clears throat> Amen. This morning, I want you to look at verse number four. And we see Paul makes this statement. He says, I thank my God upon every, uh, let's see, verse number four, I thank my God always on your behalf. You have to ask yourself, well, what was Paul so thankful for that every time he was, he thought about this, every time the idea came across his mind, every time it entered into his heart, every time he sat back and dwelt on it, it produced thanks in his heart towards God. You say, well, preacher, what was it? It was the church. It was the church. How do you know that, preacher? Look at verse number two. Under the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified by Christ Jesus. Paul said every time that he thought about that little church at Corinth, those, that fellowship of believers, those who'd been saved by the grace of God, baptized, and were now a called out assembly where they came to worship God, Paul said every time I think about them, I can only give thanks to God. Now we see this morning that Paul wasn't just thankful for the institution of the church. Matthew chapter number 16, Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm glad this morning to be a part of something that when it's operated and it's done according to the word of God and it's, it's, it's led by the spirit of God and Christ is the head of it this morning, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I always wondered about that. What in the world does the gates of hell mean? I, in my mind, I thought literally, I thought there were gates right there and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But then I, I realized this morning that it wasn't necessarily talking about a literal gate, uh, the little gate of hell, like there's an entrance way there. But in Bible times, those who are of the utmost power, those who are the utmost prestige, they would sit in the gate of the city, if you wanted to see the most powerful, if you wanted to see the highest, you would go to the gate. And I'm glad this morning that the church, and though we often don't always realize and always, often don't always think about it this morning, the church, that the very strongest attack of hell will not overcome the church this morning. And I'm thankful this morning, why? Because Christ is the head of it. But not only did Christ institute the church, but Ephesians tells us that he gave himself for it. He gave himself for it. See, Jesus isn't the modern day theologian. Jesus isn't the modern day Christian. Jesus doesn't have the modern day thinking about the church. See, the modern day thing about the church is I'm coming so the church can give me something. I'm coming so the church can teach me something. I'm coming so the church can do something for me. No, Jesus said I've come and give myself for the church. We see here this morning, not only did Christ institute the church, but he gave himself for it. And Paul, yes, he's thankful for the institution in the head of the church, which is Christ. But here we see that Paul is thankful for the church at Corinth. That fellowship of local believers, that local body of believers, that local assembly. My mom and sister are about halfway home now. We were riding down the road the other day and she said, now Tate, I know there's different kind of Baptists, but what kind are y'all? I said, I'm an independent, fundamental, premillennial, King James only, sin-hating, devil-stomping. <laughs> I didn't say all that. I just said, we're independent Baptists. She said, what does that mean? I explained that to her, the difference between all that good stuff. And Here's what's interesting. She was asking questions that I was asking 20 years ago, 10 years ago. Oh, I didn't know there was different Baptists. I thought Southern Baptists were just Baptists in the South. And I realized there's a great difference there this morning. But here Paul is not only thankful for the institution of the church and the, the head of the church, but he said, every time I think about that church in Corinth, he said, I have to give thanks 
to God. And see, that is completely opposite of who Paul was before he got saved. Read Acts chapter number eight. Paul's name is Saul. He's that Pharisee of Pharisees. He's that, that religious zealot who was persecuting the church. And the Bible says that he doesn't just doesn't bother the church. He doesn't just imitate, or, uh, what's the word I'm not imitate, uh, intimidate the church. He doesn't just uh, kind of prick at them and, and poke at them, but the Bible said he causes havoc amongst the church, putting them in prison, locking them away, and then Paul got saved. And one thing Paul couldn't get away from the church, or well, after salvation was the church. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians, later on in this, this book, Paul would say this, as I teach everywhere in every church, Paul loved the church. He loved the church as a whole this morning. He loved the body of Christ. And can I say this morning, I love the body of Christ. I love the church in that aspect. But can I say, it's not the church of Corinth here this morning, but I love South Haven Baptist Church. I love the church that God has placed my family in. I love the church that God allows me to serve in this morning. I want to say thank God for my church. I feel the same way that Paul does about the church. It's a place that I love. It's a place that I enjoy. And truth be told, I want to give my life to the church. I want to give everything I have to this place, to these people. This is the church I got saved in. This is the church that I got baptized in. This is the church where I got married at. This is the church where I preached my first message. This is the church where I raised my kids. This is the church where I serve. And I just want to keep serving here until my days are done. Why? Every time I think about this place, I have to say thanks, God, for letting me be a part of what you're doing at South Haven Baptist Church. We were at Vacation Bible School Friday night family night over at Canaan. Now I was sitting by TR and he had been there a few nights out of the week and I was sitting there second row and the family that was doing the vacation Bible school, the two daughters sang a song, both of whom are at, away at Bible college and their dad was telling me that they had wrote this song about how they, while they were at Bible college, all they could think about was their home church where their daddy's the pastor and they served with their family and they wrote a song and they sang a song about thank God for that place. Thank God for the place where God saved me. Thank God for the place where God changed my life. Thank God for the place where he allows me to serve him. And so just for a few minutes this morning, I just want to say thank God for my church. Thank God for my church. Every Christian should love the church that God has placed them in because of the followers. Notice number one, notice what this church stood for at Corinth. Verse number five, chapter number one, that in everything you're enriched by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. First Timothy, Paul's writing to Timothy on the inspiration of the Holy Ghost and he makes this statement. It says, talking about the church and talking about the, the place where Timothy was serving at and would be called to. He said, but if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living, aren't you glad this morning? Yes, we've got a building, yes, we've got pews, we've got an air conditioner, we've got a sound system, we've got nice things, we've got wonderful things that God has blessed us with, but I'd rather take this place and have the presence of God in it and not have any of those other things this morning. I'm glad to go to a place where the presence of God dwells. I'm glad to be a part of the church of the living God. But then he tells Timothy that the church is the pillar in the ground of truth. 
The church is the pillar of the ground of truth. See, we've spent the last few generations in our society trying to find truth everywhere else but the church. We've turned to everything else to look for truth. We've tried education. We've tried legislation. We've tried, we tried science. Just follow the science. The people that are telling you to do that don't even follow science. They've tried everywhere. We've tried information. We've tried entertainment. And the whole time we should have been looking for truth in the church. Why? If the Bible is preached in the church and the church is based out of the Bible, I should have told my mom I'm a Bible-believing Baptist. I don't know if that's a denomination or not. Might as well start with independent Bible-believing Baptist. Somebody put it on the sign out there. <laughs> Probably cost too much money. Just put I. <laughs> Stands for independent. Notice here this morning, the whole time we should have been looking for truth in the church. Unfortunately, you can't even find truth in most churches today. They're to be the ground, that's the foundation. And they're to be the pillar of truth, that which we build our life upon, ought to be found in the church this morning. It ought to be found in the word of God this morning. Can I say this morning, if we ever get away from our blessed King James Bible, if we ever get away from the word of God this morning, you go find somewhere else that is preaching the book, that is preaching the truth, and you go there. Can I say, you, you can have a lot of things at church, but you cannot have church without the Bible. You cannot have church without the truth this morning. Here's the thing, we don't, we, we, we tried, we've, we've even tried to incorporate, we tried education in the church. And the sad part is, when you send somebody off to get educated in the things of God, in the scriptures, most of our seminaries are turning them away from God. Why? Because we're not teaching the truth no more. We've tried legislation. You've got to have a committee meeting, to have a deacons meeting, to have a business meeting. We tried it. We, we try, you'll find information. You can find anything and everything about a church when it started, who started it, what programs they have. But do they have the truth? You find entertainment, bright lights and choreographed services. I, <laughs> excuse me, I absolutely loved it this morning because that whole thing that happened right there, none of that was planned. That's why Miss Holly started to build it out because she didn't see me walking up. Can I say I'd rather have it that way? Where it kind of is kind of awkward. Whoa, 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 I didn't know you was about to say what you about to say. Because then you know it's real. Instead of it just choreographed. Fortunately, you go to a lot of churches, there's a lot of choreographed. There ain't no truth. There's a lot of entertainment. There ain't no truth. We don't need all that stuff to remain standing. We need the truth. Can I say this morning, kids don't need puppets and snacks. Oh, those, those are wonderful. They need the truth. Teens don't need new music and lock-ins. They need the truth. Young adults don't need movie nights and networking events. They need the truth. Middle-aged people don't need Devo groups and fellowship dinners. They need the truth. Senior citizens don't need bingo and breakfast. They need the truth. And here at the Church of Corinth, they had the truth. It edified them. It strengthened them. It helped them. Notice the desire that Paul had for this church. Not only they'd had the truth in verse number five, but they would understand in all knowledge of the truth. The church needs to stand on truth. Hey, when a sinner walks in here, they need to hear the truth. When a saint walks in, they need the truth. When our, our homes need the truth, our marriages need the truth, our town needs the truth, our city needs the truth, our community needs the truth, our society needs the truth, and they need to come in here and find the truth. And when they come to our church, so help me God, they will get the truth. By the grace of God, I don't want to be any other kind of preacher. 
than a Bible preacher this morning. How can you be sure about that? They're gonna get the Bible. Jesus said, sanctify them with thy truth. Thy word is truth. Thank God for the song service. Miss Lola, it does prepare our hearts. We were at camp that Thursday night and the song service was good. We were shouting, raising hands, crying, slinging snot. Y'all really do that? uh, There ain't no way else to explain that. But Jake, we could have easily stopped and said it was good. But then Brother Brian got up with his Bible and preached on sin. How you need to stay away from it. How God doesn't want you to participate in it. How God made an escape from that temptation to sin. Can I say this morning, the song service was great. That Thursday night, them young people needed the truth when it came to sin. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is true. John 8, Jesus said, and you shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. Preacher, why do we need to stand on the truth? Because the truth is the only liberating thing this world has. A lot of places nowadays are telling you anything and everything. Most pastors, most preachers just want your money. They just want your, they want your influence. They want you to take care of them. Can I say this morning, if I go broke, I'm not backing off the truth. If, my, if I can't do those things like I enjoy doing now, it's okay as long as I have the truth. Why? The truth is liberating. Can I say this morning, this church had the truth and it changed those that were there. Aren't you glad this morning that God allows us to go to a church where the truth is the foundation of our church? I love children's church. I love Sunday school. And yes, I love Wednesday nights and summer scriptures, but they don't go back there just to play a game, drink a Capri Sun, eat a cupcake, get a sugar high and go home. We'll do those things. We don't meet on Wednesday nights because I really like spaghetti and oatmeal cream pies. We meet on Wednesday nights. Anything and everything our church does, it needs to be associated and tied to the truth. Our ladies' meetings have time of devotion to them. Why? It's the truth. Men's meeting, we have somebody bring a devotion. Why? The truth. Sunday school, somebody teaches out about why? The truth. Sunday morning, oh yeah, we'll shout and sing. I'll act like a fool up here. But we're going to bring the truth. Well, I'm glad this morning I get to go to a church where the truth is the foundation of it. Notice number two, the, the work <clears throat> that this church participated in, excuse me. Verses 18 through 31, Paul outlines what this church is known for. And it's something that every church ought to be known for. You ask the modern day person, what is the church supposed to be involved in? <clears throat> and they'll say things like this, you gotta feed the poor. You gotta help those in poverty. You gotta go build wells in Africa. You gotta put on health clinics. You gotta champion social causes. You gotta correct political variances. We gotta win our country back in the political realm. Can I say this morning, the only way we'll ever win our country back is with the gospel. It's with the gospel this morning. But notice here, it isn't meant to, we're not meant to save America politically, but spiritually. Don't consume yourself with winning the White House or the Senate. Be concerned with winning people to Jesus. 
And we often tell, well, what is the church supposed to do? And there's a lot of those aren't necessarily bad things. But we see here this morning in verse 17, we are clearly told what they are to do. Paul said, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Notice the work this church was involved in. It was in the preaching of the gospel. Look at verse number 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but in us which are saved, it is the power of God. That word preaching means to herald, to proclaim, to publish. I love preaching. Matter of fact, as I was getting ready for church this morning, we listened to preaching. Listen to Brother Kenny Baldwin preach on what is your issue. Can I say I love, I love long preaching? I love short preaching. I love loud preaching. I love quiet preaching. I love monotone preaching. I love people who know voice inflection. I love uh, old time preaching. I love the new preachers that are preaching the truth. I just love preaching when it's based out of the Bible. So oftentimes we think that somebody has to have a certain characteristics and abilities for God to use them to preach. Can I say one of the, here lately one of the most convicting sermons I ever heard preached was my brother Timothy. Camp. There's a lot of things we can be ashamed of. There's a lot of things we can be scared of, but we ought not to be ashamed of the gospel. I ought to be scared to share it. You don't need a pulpit to preach. You just need a Bible. Notice the method of preaching. Notice the message. Verse number 23, we preach Christ crucified. What Paul said, we preach the gospel, we preach the truth, we preach the Bible. We don't need to hear our political persuasions. We don't need to hear our educational statements. We don't need to hear all that stuff. We need to hear the truth. And hear the gospel to the method, the message, the messengers. Look at verse 26 and 27. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Preacher, I don't feel smart enough. Not many wise after the flesh. Preacher, I don't feel strong enough. Not many mighty. Preacher, I don't feel significant enough. Not many noble. By the, your, your, your account this morning, you've kind of put yourself into verse number 26. I'm not worthy of it. It's exactly who God's looking to use. Those who know we don't deserve it, those that we know we haven't earned it, those that we know that we are not good enough to do it by ourselves, but yet we're willing to because that's what God has commissioned us to do. Now verse number 27 makes sense of it. Why doesn't God use the mighty and the noble and those that think themselves wise because they would take credit for it. In verse 27, God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Here's the thing, if the truth is being preached from the pulpit, that preaching needs to be reciprocated through your preaching. Oh, preacher, I ain't called. I ain't called to preach, preacher. I ain't called to stand behind the pulpit. You may not be, but you are commissioned to preach the gospel. Matthew tells us, 16, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You don't need a calling when you've been commissioned. This is, this is what we call preaching in the sense on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. But your job site needs a preacher. Your home needs a preacher. Your family needs a preacher. Your friends need a preacher. And you may not step out with a three-point outline and, and, and illustrations and poems, but they need to hear the truth. They need a preacher. Not called, preacher. You don't have to be. You're commissioned. Preacher, I'm a woman. I can't preach behind the pulpit. We understand what the Bible teaches this morning, all about that. And that's a true statement, but what are you going to preach to your kids when they come to you with a disagreement? 
when they come to you with a question, when they come to you needing help, what are you going to tell them? Let me ask you what you're going to preach when Sister Wigglejaw comes with some gossip. What are you going to preach when the job, sir, comes to you and says, hey, we'll give you this, but you have to leave where you are to pull your whole family out of church to go after it? What are you going to preach when it's your time to preach? You may not be called to pastor or preach behind the pulpit, but we've all been called to preach Christ crucified. We've all been called to preach the gospel this morning, to proclaim, to herald, to publish the gospel. Remember my wife telling me a story about the first time she ever handed out a gospel track. She was so excited, so nervous, so scared. She handed it out to an elderly man and just said, sir, I want to give this to you and let you know that Jesus loves you. And she was so excited. She was, I, I finally did it. I passed out and I shared the gospel with somebody. I gave them a track and she came back to church so excited about it, told somebody about it, said I passed out a track to this man. I gave him the gospel. The person she told that to said, that's weird. The Holy Ghost never told me to give a gospel track to a man. Now, I wouldn't advise you ladies to go out into the neighborhoods by yourself, not in 2022. It's a crazy world out there. But if the Lord's leading you, and the Lord has put that desire in your heart to share the gospel, to preach the gospel, I'd go wherever he's leading you to. Give the gospel to him this morning. Let me ask, are you preaching this morning? And if you are, what are you preaching? Notice number one, the, what the church participated in. Notice also what they stood for. They stood for the truth. But notice verse number three this morning, what almost separated this church. Paul, in the first few chapters, first few verses, I thank God for the church. It's a, every time I think about it, I, I have to give thanks to God. But then Paul reminds us and reveals to us the reality of it that, not every, that, that every church isn't perfect. This church at Corinth had problems, and yet Paul still loved the church. Here's the inconvenient truth about our church. It isn't perfect. You came here looking for the perfect church. I'm sorry. You'll have to go down the road somewhere. But if you find it, please don't join it because you'll mess it up. Can I say, neither was the church at Corinth perfect, yet Paul still loved it. And our church isn't perfect this morning, but I still love it. I still care for it. I still pray for it. There's no such thing as a perfect church, but there is a church that is perfect for you where God wants you to serve and God wants you to give yourself to. But we see here in verse number 10 a problem is being addressed. An apparent rift is beginning to appear in the church at Corinth. There's division that's beginning to split the church. We can learn some great truths to this. Notice verse number 11. If you're going to critique it, be willing to put your name behind it. Look at verse number 11. For they declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Here's the thing, those of the house of Chloe weren't gossiping. They were trying to get a problem solved. And a lot of times when we say things like, don't tell nobody, keep it anonymous, we really don't want to fix nothing. We just want to spread a rumor. Here's the thing, if we're going to critique it, we've got to be willing to put our name behind it. You'll be less willing to spread a rumor if your name's attached to it. Why would those of the house of Chloe go to Paul with this problem? They wanted a solution. Notice this, divisions start within, verse number 11. 
There's contentions among you. It wasn't an outside force that was causing the problem in the church at Corinth. Can I say this morning, it won't be an outside problem that causes division here. It'll start within. Contentions among you. Churches never split from the outside in. They always split from the inside out. Divisions are almost always extra biblical and seated in pride. Look at verse number 10. It says this, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, how they ought to be, there ought to be no divisions among you in verse number 10. You get down to verse number 12. Now I say that every one of you saith, I'm of Paul, I'm of Paulus, and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. And Paul asked that question in verse 3, is Christ divided? Is Christ divided? They were aligning themselves with those who baptized them and not those who saved them. Can I say this morning, Christ isn't divided? And this morning, if we're gonna split, this church is ever gonna split, it won't be because that's what God desires. It's because we allow things that are extra biblical outside the scriptures this morning and that are seated in pride to allow us to be divided. And divisions are only solved by realizing and remembering the truth. Paul would have never recognized, been recognized in the sword of the Lord. I love, I love this portion of Paul. He says in verse number four, I thank God that I baptized none of you. <laughs> Paul said, you're lying with me. I didn't baptize none of y'all. And then he goes, well, I, I might have baptized a couple of y'all. <laughs> he said, I thank God that I baptized none of you, but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I baptized in my own name. So I baptized the household of Stephen. He said, but, it ain't about that. He wasn't called to baptize. Verse number 17, what did he say? He sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And though we baptize, our main focus is the gospel this morning. And when one main focus, and when our main focus becomes anything but the gospel, anything but the Lord, anything but God himself, we become of no effect. Division will carry through. Let me ask you this morning, do you love your church enough to purpose in your heart to not to be the source of division? When things don't go the way you think they ought to and you see issues and you see problems, are you willing to resolve it instead of just making a rumor? Can I say this morning, I love South Haven Baptist Church. I love what we stand for. I love what we do. And I love it enough to do my part to make sure God continues to have his way here. Why, I love my church. I thank God for my church this morning. Let's all stand this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed.